Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Philemon. We will be reading verses 4 through 22. Philemon, verses 4 through 22. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owning, owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My wife, Nina, loves the musical Les Miserables. The beauty of the music, the allegory of the gospel embedded into the story, and the emotion of the lyrics of the songs. I know when life is a little difficult around the Simone household because Les Miserables will often be blaring on one of the speakers around our house. Les Miserables has been playing on the speakers around our house a lot lately. In fact, I found myself on the front porch just this week with my earbuds listening to the song I Dreamed a Dream, which has one of the saddest lyrics you will find in music embedded in it. And still I dream he'll come to me, that we will live the years together, but there are dreams that cannot be and there are storms we cannot weather. When I say the word reconciliation, we all have a relationship that pops into our minds quickly. 
someone we hope will return, someone to whom we long to return, to live the years together. But as quickly as that relationship comes to mind, so do our reasons for not moving toward that relationship again. So does our thinking that it will never happen. So does our resignation that there are dreams that cannot be, that there are storms we cannot weather. And maybe you have thought, as I have, I just wish I knew what step to take. I wish someone who had gone before me took the time to write down what they had learned reconciling one person to another. I wish there was some kind of roadmap to reconciliation. If such a document existed, where could I find it? There's a tiny letter that can easily be missed in the Bible. Flipping from your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you would jump right over it. It's one of the shortest books of the Bible, but it's also one of the most personal books of the Bible. Its name is Philemon, and Philemon is a roadmap to reconciliation. Let me tell you the story of Philemon. Philemon is a wealthy man who I imagine one day started asking the big questions of life. What am I here for? What is all of this money really doing for me? Why am I not satisfied? He lives in a town called Colossae, which is not too far from the big city center of that day in that area, Ephesus. He heard there was a man named Paul preaching in Ephesus about a gospel, good news about Jesus Christ. And he went to hear this man, Paul, preach, and he ended up placing his faith in Jesus Christ. He returns to Colossae and says, why don't we have the church at Colossae meet in my home? He had a large household. It included many slaves. I imagine him wrestling what to do with these slaves after he had come to faith in Jesus Christ because this man, Paul, that led him to faith, he wrote in Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, all are one in Christ Jesus. I imagine him wrestling with this question. Now, I do want to point out that slavery in the first century Roman Empire was quite different than slavery in North America in the 18th and 19th centuries. It doesn't make it right, but it is important to know that it is different. It was not racially motivated. Oftentimes people would sell themselves into slavery as a form of rudimentary lending of money. Instead of taking a mortgage out on your house, you took a mortgage out on years of your life for labor. But it was still wrong and Philemon must have wondered what to do. There was one slave, Onesimus, that said, I'm tired of being a slave in Philemon's house. He steals property from Philemon and runs to Rome, maybe hoping to, to slip into the crowds and never to be found again. Maybe he was tired of listening to his master sing praises to Jesus on Sunday and scold him on Monday. But whatever the reason is, he took property, he put it in a bag, he stole away by midnight and said, I'm never going back there again. Until he runs into the apostle Paul in Rome. 
The same man that led his master to Jesus Christ now leads Onesimus to Jesus Christ. I imagine they had a conversation and Paul says, where are you from? He says, Colossae. And Paul writes a letter to the church at Colossae. It's in our New Testament. It's called Colossians. And then Paul looks at Onesimus and says, I'm going to ask you to carry the letter back to your church at Colossae. Can you imagine Onesimus' fear at the moment? I can't go back there. Paul says, no, I'm going to write your recommendation right into the letter of Colossians. It's, it's right here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychius will tell you about my, all my activities he is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here Paul says, I put the recommendation for you, Onesimus, right in the letter. I've, I've called you a beloved brother, one of their own. Take this letter back and, and be reconciled to Philemon. I imagine the discussion went on a little further because in the end, Paul sent Onesimus with two letters. One, the letter to Colossians, and two, the letter of Philemon. And I imagine Onesimus standing in the back of that church as everyone murmured, Onesimus is back. How's Philemon going to respond? He stole from Philemon. Could they ever be restored to right relationship? And as that church service went on, I imagine the tension rose in the room until after the letter of Colossians was read, Onesimus walked to the front, pulled another letter out of his pocket and said, here, Philemon, this one's from Paul too. And it's for you. And I imagine Philemon unsealing that letter and beginning to read it. And as he read it, he found a roadmap to reconciliation with three stops on it. Respond, rename, and receive. Let's open that letter together and follow these stops along this roadmap to reconciliation. The first stop, respond, is respond to the gospel. In verse 6, Paul writes to Philemon, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The idea here, Paul says, is your faith must become effective. Your faith must have an effect on every aspect of your life, Philemon. We're in a study on the 21 letters of the New Testament, and here's what they're all about. God calls his people into a community called the church, and here's the outline. It moves from an announcement of the gospel to a defense of the gospel through applying the gospel to every aspect of life. You see, the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. Good advice, you can take it or leave it. Good news either happened or it didn't. And if the good news of the gospel happened, then we must respond. 
And Paul is clear that the response must have an effect on all aspects of our life. And so I just want to ask, is there an aspect of your life? Is there an aspect of my life that we are attempting to shield from the light of the gospel? You see, the gospel is effective. It's effective to restore fellowship with God and relationship with people. Philemon is a roadmap to reconciliation. And stop one, respond to the gospel. Which brings us to stop two, rename. Rename the repentant. Let me read verses 9 through 12 here. Yet for love's sake, Paul writes, I appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now, who's an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. You see, Paul has given the runaway slave a new name. And this new name is symbolic of his transformed life. You see, Onesimus is a play on words. Onesimus means useful. And Paul writes, you see, Philemon, formerly he was not useful when he was stealing from you. And now he is useful. You see, the play on words means that Onesimus has repented. He's turned He's turned from his sin and has been welcomed into the very household of God. And in God's house, his new name is child. Paul has given him the same name. And in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. In the light of all of this renaming, Paul says to Philemon, if Onesimus has been welcomed into God's house with a new name, then he should be welcomed back into your house with a new name as well. And I have a suggestion for what that new name should be, Paul writes. It's in verses 15 and 16. For perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. From slave to brother, rename the repentant. This lesson came to me in vivid color through a video that I saw when I was speaking in February at our sister church, the Virginia Beach Community Chapel. It was their missions month, and and they showed a video of their missionaries, and the way the missionaries introduced themselves caught my attention. Here's the video. Hello. You might not know me, but I'm your sister. My name is Diana Abdurrahmanova. I currently serve the Lord at St. Mary's College of Maryland. I'm Mike Lasko, and I'm one of your sons. I live with Sally and John Michael in Phoenix and serve in a multi-church, multi-organizational, multi-network effort to bring first workers into Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, and tribal peoples. I'm a part of your family, but I also want to tell you about your grandparents. 
Ron and Pam Parker. They were some of the first people to know that I was discerning a call into vocational ministry and constantly encouraged me to follow God's leading. Your great-great-grandfather, Dick Woodward, had a huge impact on my life. When I was in high school, I went to his Bible studies. When I was in college, he came to my inner varsity chapter and he spoke. When I was in my 20s, he and you were financial partners in my first missions experiences. I thought you should know me and I thought you should know Pam and Ron. We are a part of your history, your heritage, who you will become. Missions is in my DNA. Missions is in my DNA in part because of you, and I'm grateful. After I saw that video, my whole, my whole mindset changed as I stepped into the pulpit to preach that morning. I pointed back at the baptismal, because what I realized as I watched that video was 30 years earlier, I had stepped into that baptismal, and for the first time publicly professed my faith in Jesus Christ, to the community that led me to faith. And now 30 years later, I was invited back to preach God's word to them. And I stood in the pulpit and I said, my name is Travis Simone, and I am your son. You see, the community that led me to faith in Jesus not only radically changed my relationship with God, they radically changed my relationship with that church my name is Travis, and I'm your son. So the question I have this morning is, who do you need to rename? Who have you been calling enemy? And maybe it's time you start calling them brother, sister, son, daughter. One of the things I'm noticing in this season is that there's a lot of name-calling going on, on social media, on the news, people promoting one aspect of reopening, people opening another, people wanting to follow one set of guidelines, people not wanting to follow those guidelines, calling each other names. What if during this season, the people of God said, no name calling, just renaming? Would you join me in a season of renaming? instead of name-calling. I want to be clear that all of this renaming happens as a result of Onesimus' repentance and newfound identity in Jesus. You see, repentance precedes reconciliation. And the question I often have or get from people is, well, how do I know if the other person has repented? The answer to that is in Luke chapter 3, verse 8. There's always fruit of repentance there's always the fruit of a changed life. Onesimus was not useful. He is now useful. He's repented. He's been changed. And so if there has been repentance, Philemon, the roadmap to reconciliation will lead you to stop too. Rename the repentant. And if there hasn't been repentance, wait, pray, forgive and trust Jesus for the rest. Stop three, receive. Receive the brother or sister as Jesus has received you. Verses 17 through 19 say this. Paul writes again, 
So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me even your very own self. You see, Paul takes everything Jesus has done for him and applies it to his relationship with Philemon and asks Philemon to apply it to his relationship with Onesimus. Jesus received Paul so Philemon should receive Onesimus. Jesus charged Paul's debt to his account. So Paul asks that Onesimus' debt be charged to his. Jesus sealed a letter to the Father on behalf of Paul with his own nail-pierced hands. So Paul signs a letter on behalf of Onesimus with his own hands in chains And so Paul gives one final charge to Philemon. It's in verse 20. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul makes sure Philemon knows and that we know that we owe our very life to someone else. Therefore, the new life we live should benefit everyone with whom we come into contact that we should be ever seeking to refresh the hearts of others by walking down the roadmap to reconciliation. And I want to make sure we walk this roadmap this week. So I come back to the play Les Miserables that hinges on the main character, Jean Valjean, receiving this tremendous gift from a bishop who represents Jesus Christ, a a gift of silver when Jean Valjean had stolen from the bishop. The bishop says, take this silver and use it to become an honest man. And in the play, Jean Valjean goes out from there and, and becomes an honest man. His life is transformed, but not in the book. In the book, it's more complicated than that because in life, it's often more complicated than that. Jean Valjean leaves the bishop's house bewildered and confused and he stops on a road between the town where the bishop was and the next town and just starts thinking. Along comes a little boy and as the little boy walks by, he drops a silver coin. Jean Valjean puts his foot over it. The little boy says, where's my silver? Where's my silver? Jean Valjean says, get out of here, little boy. Where's my silver? And he growls at him. He threatens him. The little boy runs away crying and screaming. Jean Valjean sits there for a while, finally removes his foot from the coin. The silver catches his eye. When he sees the silver catches his eye, it reminds him of the silver candlesticks the bishop gave him. And he breaks down and weeps. And Victor Hugo writes, it was the first time he had wept in decades He needed a reminder. He needed a reminder of the gift that he had been given. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I ask that as we close this service, we pray to God the Holy Spirit to remind us this week of the gift of the gospel that we have been given. Far greater than silver candlesticks, new life in Jesus Christ, that we would catch that our eyes would catch the gleaming light of the gospel this week. And it would push us to walk down the roadmap of reconciliation.
by responding to the gospel, renaming the repentant, and receiving our brother or sister as Jesus received us. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and remind us this week to walk the roadmap of reconciliation.